2: Eighteen plus. Hello, and welcome to another episode of From Complex to Queens. Uh, I'm Ken Lavin. I'm joined here again by Lucas Vlahos, and uh, yeah, this is this week's installment of From Complex to Queens. How you doing, Lucas?
3: Uh, I'm okay. Steve has abandoned us once again.
2: Yeah, Steve, please come home. Yeah. <laughs> it's time.
3: <laughs> we we need we need Steve. We need our Steve.
2: <laughs> that we do. Yeah. Um, yeah, Steve's out of town again. I think he's either heading home today or tomorrow from uh Tennessee. He went down to see the. Uh, Kingsport Mets of the Appalachian League, so we should be bringing you plenty of uh, content, I guess, or discussions of uh, their roster, which includes some very interesting people, including, uh, podcast concern, <coughs> Wilfred Ostadio.
3: Ah, uh, yes, of course.
2: <laughs> La Tortuga 2, Electric Boogaloo.
3: yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he's looking about as good as the movie right now. (laughs) Which, uh, for those of you who are not actually familiar with the movie, is not good.
2: Uh, Yeah, Um, it's an extreme skill (laughs) set, to say the least. Um,
3: It'd be nice if we had his brother to at least compare him against, but he's hurt still, so...
2: Yeah, that makes me sad. The League just isn't the same without...
3: Yeah, it wasn't ready. It wasn't ready. It wasn't ready for the Tortuga. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Before his time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, so uh, I guess we should do the affiliate records and stuff.
3: Absolutely, yeah.
2: All right, so uh, the the Syracuse Mets went 4-2 this week. They're now 64-61 and 61 in the season, which is tied uh, for second, with the Buffalo Bisons in the International League North Division. Uh, there are two games behind the first place Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. And
3: is it Wilkes-Barre?
2: I think that that's how they always said it on The Office.
3: Oh um, crap, I've been mispronouncing it for like
2: six really, years now. I, I could be wrong, but um, that's just <laughs> I watch Shit. a lot of The Office.
3: <laughs> All right, I'll take your word for it. So
2: hopefully they did their homework, but uh. Moving on, um, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies went 1-6 on the week, Oof. so not great. Yeah, they're now 16-64 on the year, 25-35 and 35 in the second half, which puts them in last place in the Eastern League, Eastern Division. And they're 9.5 games out of first place with an elimination number of 3. So their season looks to be ending pretty soon. Kaput. Um, the St. Lucie Myths. Similarly, went one and five on the week. They're now 67 and 57 on the year, 35 and 23 in the second half, which is good for second place in the Florida State League South Division. But they're still six and a half games behind the Charlotte Stone Crabs uh, for first place, and their elimination number is now one, despite being one of the better teams in the, in the, the Mets organization.
3: Getting to that time of year.
2: Yep, uh, it's kind of hard to—they also lost, I think, got swept by Charlotte, um, who's the the Rays affiliate that currently has Wander Franco.
3: Yeah, that's kind of a competitive <laughs> advantage. You <know>. Yeah,
2: having <laughs> the unquestioned best prospect in baseball. It's
3: not fair, man.
2: Yep. Uh, the Columbia Fireflies went 4-3 and three on the week. They're now 49-72 and on the year. They are 25-30 and 30 in the second half, which is good for fifth place in the South Atlantic League Southern Division. And they're six and a half games behind the Asheville Tourists. Uh, the Brooklyn Cyclones went two and five on the week, including a win in the game that was continued today after it was suspended yesterday due to uh, extreme fog. Uh, they're now 33 and 27 on the year, uh, good for third place in the New York Penn League McNamara division. And they're two and a half games behind the Hudson Valley Renegades for first place. The Kingsport Mets went four and two this week. They're now twenty-eight and twenty-nine on the season, which is good for third place in the Appy League West Division, and they're one and a half games behind the Johnson City Cardinals for first place in the division. And the GCL Mets went two and five on the week. They're now twenty-three and twenty two in the year, good for second place in the GCL East Division. So and they're three and a half games out of first place. Not
3: not the best week. Ever. Yeah,
2: not not great for most uh Kingsport was nice a nice surprise, but uh and they're they're also in a weak division, so they're kind of clawing their way back into a playoff race, which is nice. Hopefully uh whatever interesting dudes are still in the, the G C L will get promoted out.
3: Yeah, we so we get more uh Francisco Alvarez bets.
2: Yep. That uh, was cool.
3: Which I guess is a nice consolation prize for consecutive has was never healthy and Hernandez probably isn't making Uh, it back this year yeah they
2: shut him down i think um so it was a hamstring or something like that
3: this is kind of the shitty thing with a 50 game season like
2: yeah you get one really bad like health issue and you know your whole seasons could be done because there's just not that many games
3: right I mean, not even like a season-ending surgery thing. Just I pulled my muscle really badly, and your season is kaput. Yep. Well, we'll still probably have them close to the top ten because this farm system sucks. But that's a conversation <laughs> for the off-season.
2: Yeah, very true. Uh, they'll probably—I I think they're—they're they're definitely still top thirty.
3: But yeah. oh, I mean, no, they're probably top fifteen uh, at least. Hernandez is to me. Um, I mean, this farm system's bad
2: yeah it's it's not great
3: bob yeah um, not great but anyway we should talk about a couple of the players that were good this week yeah the teams, yeah there, right? there
2: were at least two at uh,
3: least two uh, <laughs> including one who uh uh i lobby for promotion uh constantly yep um, that would be dilson pickles herrera Aka, uh, what's the other? What's his other nickname? I know someone has dropped it before. There's uh,
2: my favorite was from uh, FX Carden in the comments, and that was dillweed hernia. <laughs>
3: um,
2: <laughs> uh, all
3: right, all right. That might be
2: my favorite nickname for anyone, not right, just. We're gonna Dilson go with that. So,
3: dillweed hernia. um so this is his second time winning uh our prestigious award here the first time was week 11 uh this week he uh pretty definitively stated his case to to be promoted he hit 500 545 900 and that is his slugging not his ops
1: (laughs) uh
3: so a good week that's a 266 weighted that included 10 singles a couple doubles a couple homers a couple walks no steals um, he's been bouncing around various positions at St. Lucie. Uh, I think he's seen a little bit of first base, lots of second base, some left field, some third base, which sounds like a piece the Mets could use right about now, Ken.
2: Yep. Uh, we're going to discuss this probably a lot more uh, later in the show. But the fact that he can play, you know, he can play an infield position in second base and can also kind of play the outfield. Mm-hmm.
3: But it this kind of kind of a perfect fit <laughs> yeah let, let's put it this way like he's probably not a worse outfielder than jd davis
2: yeah yeah and he's
3: and he's definitely, definitely not a worse fish.
2: hitter than aaron altair, altair.
3: yeah yeah we, we we'll save that discussion for later so we'll keep this bit on her brief but he uh mashed this week and the met should promote him but also uh, he's just a big doof <laughs> yeah, I'm a, and he's a still. We've had this conversation at least five times already. He's still a real prospect. He's twenty five. He had a serious shoulder injury that explains the couple years of struggles. He very well could be a a decent bench bat slash second slash third division second base player, second base yep. starter. And Just
2: and think. again, like we're at the part of the season where like you can't be giving away at bats. You know,
3: especially in the you're in a
2: playoff race. You're yeah, exactly. And you're coming from behind in a playoff race Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like every at that matters.
3: (laughs) And your your bench is trash. Your bench was already a mediocre point until everyone got injured. And realistically, we shouldn't expect anything from Lowry or I hate to say it, but probably not from Nimmo either, because there's just not enough time for them to get back up to speed at this point. So Which sucks, like, and it, it, I I might expect maybe something from Nimmo, but not immediately. Certainly not at the end of, like, a 10-day rehab. Yeah, and
2: I don't know if you could expect Nimmo to be, you know, even even in my, like, wildest dreams, could you expect him to be good, you know?
3: Right. He's, he he's
2: missed a lot of time with a serious neck injury.
3: Yep, <laughs> yep. Like, that's not a joke. Um, I could see him, I could see him contributing, like, late September once he's had time to
2: yeah, yeah, or, you know,
3: the but you know, the Mets okay. kind of need someone right now. Yeah,
2: and they're currently giving way too many at bats to you know.
3: We can talk about that. We'll, 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 we'll yeah, okay. Who they're actually That's giving these at bats to? I don't uh,
2: I'd also people. like to to make a point that uh, Dilson Herrera is has a career ninety one WRC plus. That's really not that bad in the big. It's really not that bad. What's no, really
3: Aaron Altair's career weighted runs to run plus?
2: Yeah, and he's got Two? way way more big league time so
3: negative two yep. i'm gonna actually look this up now oh i almost closed one of my tabs oh, i saved it i saved it aaron altair
2: i think he doesn't even like six hits on the year
3: <laughs> yeah and two of them are dongs i think i mean he had that dong in his first bet. <laughs> his weighted on the season is i said negative two that was too high it's negative 20
2: he literally has five hits (laughs) three of them for extra bases but that's still not
3: great bob his career is a 90 but still that's a yikes anyway yep moving on uh our pitcher of the week is someone who probably will not and should not be called up despite how fun it would be uh and that is mickey Yannis. yannis whatever um so the knuckleballer, always a fan of a knuckleballer, uh, praise be to Dickey. Uh, he, he had two starts. He lost both of them, but through no fault of his own. He threw 13 innings. He had a .69 ERA, which is pretty nice. Uh, only walked two, struck out a whopping 22, um, and got a little bit screwed by his defense who gave up three honored runs behind him. Um, so for those of you not, who aren't super familiar with Janice, he uh, went to Allen Hancock College for a year and then went to Cal State Bakersfield, which is something of a baseball powerhouse last time I checked. Um, was a 44th round pick of the Rays, um, then got released in 2011, um, at which point he started throwing a knuckleball in Independent League. Uh, he was in the Frontier League for a couple of years um, and then moved to the Atlantic League in 2014. Uh, stayed there for 2015, where he's actually a teammate of Rich Hill. Not nearly as uh, successful as Rich Hill to date, but notable. And then he signed a minor league contract with the Mets in 2015. He's been kind of kicking around the low minors for most of that contract between Advanced A and AA. And now, he, the last couple of years, he's seen more time in AAA. Uh, Vegas hasn't been kind to him, but Syracuse has uh, been a little bit better, and he seems like a decent uh, uh oh! Wait, I lied. Syracuse has been horrible <laughs> to him with a 23 ERA, but that's just this season. So
2: yeah, it's six six innings. It's
3: fine. Yeah, it's not that much. Um, <laughs> he's been quite good at Binghamton this year. If the Mets were out of it, I would be lobbying for Mickey Jonas to get some major league time because it'd uh, be
2: yeah, fun. I would say um, I don't know. We've had comparable weird guys come through, like um, I don't know. PJ Conwin has been up at various points. Oh God. <laughs> I don't know if anybody seriously thought P.J. Conwin had a, a big league future. Um,
3: the Dodgers claimed him, which was the strangest thing. Because, like, you expect the Dodgers to do smart things. And it's like, wait, why do you want this guy? I don't know. <laughs> it, did make, it did make a lot of sense to me.
2: Yeah. I mean, they gave up on him after, like, a week.
3: <laughs> yeah, of course.
2: RIP P.J. Conwin. Yeah. <laughs> we wish you well.
3: Yeah. I mean, Giannis is fun. I've always thought it'd be interesting to have a knuckleball reliever because that would really throw people off.
2: Oh, yeah. I don't imagine. I can't imagine how you would hit that, especially like imagine facing DeGrom for like seven innings. Right, exactly. (laughs) The only thing is like if he doesn't have it, he's really not going to have it. (laughs) That's true.
3: I mean, this goes back to another more analytic idea I've always wanted to talk about, that being that you should set up like a pitch effect system in your bullpen. So during war, and then you could train models to predict warm ups whether a guy has it or not. Like that'd be a really cool. Yeah. Application. Like how
2: far he would, you know, maybe like how, how closely he matches his ideal release point. Right. Exactly.
3: Right. Um, or, or you just learn like, what are the characteristics of how he, you need some training data. Like, what does he look like when he, before he has a good outing, what does he look like before he has a bad outing? Right. Um, but if you, if you could somehow pull it off and understand when your knuckleballer had it, and then you follow up a guy pumping 100-mile-an-hour gas and razor blade sliders with – then you say, all right, come hit these 80-mile-an-hour knuckleballs. Yep. Well, what, what are you going to do?
2: Yeah, no, I can't imagine how you would do that. How do you even approach that? <laughs> I,
3: I I, mean
2: – Just praying? Just... like. <laughs>
3: kind of tough for any of us to understand because our approach against any major league pitch would be to just pray I'd probably just start crying yeah <laughs> you see that you see that kid at the little league world series who crouched down to have no yeah, you know, that, that would
2: be me That'd i, be I the think I'd like on the ground <laughs>
3: <laughs> um yeah but knuckleballs are super hard to control anyway i hope you honest get some I'm probably mispronouncing his name because I can't decide how to pronounce it, but that's okay. I hope he gets some major league time eventually. I hope the knuckleball never dies because it's it's truly a lot of fun.
2: It's, and, uh, it's one of the last like really weird physics tricks left in baseball. It's one of like the old
3: timey things that is actually like still good.
2: Yeah, right. That can still be effective for like actual right. masters at
3: it. Right, like you know? bunting, not so good anymore. Base stealing, meh. If you could, if you could pitch well with a good knuckleball, sure. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, good, for, good for Janice.
2: I'd also like to point out that he set the record for most wins in Binghamton, uh, franchise history, oh, uh, earlier this year, which is not necessarily a record you want to hold, but
3: yeah, it probably means he just spent too much time there. Yeah.
2: But you know, good for him. He'll always be one of the greats in franchise history, I guess.
3: Yeah. I mean he's the kind of guy who I wish minor league pensions existed for.
2: Yeah, like it's it's weird like any um guy who really anybody who finds their way back into affiliated ball after getting released and spending time out in the wilderness, um, I I root for hard. It's it's like that's such a hard thing to do. It's so cool when it actually happens. You know?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's why a-
2: like I I don't love Drew Gagneo, but <laughs>
3: you know yeah yeah I mean I I I think I wrote was it Ganyo or someone else I think it might have been Ganyo like I wrote his season recap last season and the whole like the whole point was like look he's bad you don't I don't want him on the Mets next year probably a sign that things have gone wrong but like good for you dude you're you, you made it yep you're you're that you're you've, you've gone from that random sand lawn as a kid saying i'm going to be a major leaguer to actually standing on a major league mound yep um
2: same with chris mazza same yep. with
3: pj conlon
2: pj conlon I, I don't know if he was an in indie ball fine uh no, josh no, he smoker was like,
3: yeah, he, he was like a random guy from ireland basically right That was yeah whole, that was he moved to
2: california as, as like a child and yeah, then yeah. Um, was drafted i think in 20 i don't know 2015 maybe right but anyway yeah it's always okay. nice when uh yeah always nice when a guy works his way back into affiliated ball from uh like i said the the indie league wilderness so
3: mm-hmm.
2: hopefully he makes it that'd be cool
3: yep absolutely
2: all right uh you want to take a break and then Yeah. We'll- let's
3: take our first break and we'll come do back it. and we'll do things.
2: things about the uh Depth or lack thereof, as Steve put. (laughs) 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 So, all right, we'll be back after this.
0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Welcome back to From Complex to Queens. Again, I'm, I'm Ken Lavin. I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos. And uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the internal options for, you know, guys who can come up and help the Mets down the stretch uh, this season while they try to, you know, claim a wildcard spot.
3: Give me pickles. Yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, I would very much. Nothing would make me happier than uh, Return of the Dill. So <laughs> I've yes. named at least two prospect reports. Return of the Dill. Jesus. <laughs> and both times, I think there's like this random Twitter account that's like something about Dill Pickles, and he's he's liked the tweets both
3: times. So that's cool. Wait, <laughs> Wait. It's a- is it actually an account about? pickles or I think, player. I think
2: i think it's somebody it's an account that literally searches for like words associated with pickles <laughs> twitter is a weird place <laughs> what? What?
3: who has time for that i hope i'm time I, I, I to program it's a, a bot, bot. Yeah. yeah who had time to program a bot to do this
2: <laughs> i'll send it to you later it's it's weird. Jesus. <laughs> all right weird. <laughs> but yeah.
3: That, that aside i think uh dilson is the number one guy on this list yeah
2: yeah no i think he makes by far the most sense um considering again like they have like a lot of up and down guys internally you know uh, i think if they're going to bring up much pitching help it should really be guys other teams are giving up on like brad the brad brocks of the world
3: yeah that was a good pickup
2: um and then there'll be other ones like that. You know, teams are still probably going to be cutting guys as they try to optimize their their forty man rosters down the stretch. You know,
3: um, yeah, and, and like pending free agents, I wonder, like with the new trade line, I don't know how familiar you are with basketball, but a lot of like pending free agents in basketball ask for their release, mm-hmm. um, or a buyout, and this creates a whole buyout market post trade deadline. And I huh. wonder, I wonder if this is like going to be the new paradigm with the earlier trade deadline where like some of these vets say i want to be released um now i don't know i'm not exactly familiar with how the compensatory formulas work in basketball but i don't think it's tied to any sort of qualifying offer right which means um maybe it won't quite translate to baseball but the guys like brack who I guess he was released from a contender. I'm trying to think of a good example here off the top of my head who might fit into this this category.
2: There was a lot of talk about Cody Allen for a while.
3: Oh no! Um, Please no.
2: Uh, Who's the other one? Holland was another one. Yeah. Uh, who a lot of people were clamoring for. Um, yeah. The, the point the point being that there there are pitchers around who are going to get DFA'd.
3: Like absolutely.
2: And who will be available on waivers uh, to the Mets. So, however, the Mets also have a very bad bench right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's a really difficult thing to have when you're trying to make up ground in a wild card race that has at least four teams mm-hmm. vying for two spots.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, you have to be very good if you want to, or you have to play very well if you want to do that just because there's four teams vying for two spots. Right, right. It's a lot of moving parts. Um. And, yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and these teams, most for the most part, have better offenses than the Mets. Like, the Brewers yeah. have a really good offense. The Cubs have a really good offense. I mean, the Mets have better starting pitching, obviously, but I, it feels like... I feel like, and I think there have been some big articles written about this, with the expansion of bullpen and the expansion of bullpen usage, it's almost as if there's a new team that's been added, and so many teams are therefore struggling with this thinner pitching talent distribution across the league. Yeah. And I wonder if the fact that the Mets are relatively stronger in that department, that might mean their issues are, are more low-hanging fruit, right? It's easier for the Mets to fix their bench than it is for the Cubs to, you know, fix the tire fire that is their bullpen or the Brewers to fix the rotation or the Phillies to fix both.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. They, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good on both sides of the ball for the Mets, you know, mm-hmm. offensively, there's a lot of good Alonzo is mm-hmm. very good. McNeil hopefully comes back, but he's very good, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that they have more pitching than a lot of these teams, I think is a definite advantage, you know, mm-hmm. However, you still need to do to upgrade where you
3: can upgrade. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and uh, maybe not rostering Aaron Altair would be a good upgrade.
2: Yeah, which brings me to, um, I guess, how I'd like to start this discussion by saying by looking at the 40-man roster. And um, I've found five spots where they could very easily, you know, DFA somebody or, you know, free up a roster spot if they need to claim one of these guys. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we'll start with Eric Hanhold. Um He's had a very rough year at AAA. He even got demoted to Double A for a little while.
3: I really thought he'd be one of the better arms they traded for. I wonder how much of his struggles are just the triple A ball, but yeah, you could probably DFA him and yeah, and
2: like probably not lose him, you know, yeah. Like there be guys time. at
3: DFA first, but sure. I can, yeah,
2: I no, Um, and we'll, we'll get to a few of them. Um, one of them being like, like Paul Seawald. They've done it like two or three yep. times. Uh, this is we're, we're going to say this is a co-spot with Tim Peterson, who was recently dia, who had this spot before he was DFA'd for Seawald earlier this week. But <laughs> God, those what two guys the... have been DFA'd multiple times and have managed to stay in the organization.
3: Mm-hmm. More
2: times like you can upgrade that spot fairly easily and not
3: lose anything absolutely um
2: brooks pounders is another guy who
3: i forgot he was on the team
2: same same as much as we all love uh, the quarter pounder um (laughs) my friend loves that nickname (laughs) um you know they took a flyer on him he served a purpose for a little while but again like if you need the roster spot it's worth upgrading. Absolutely. Um, the aforementioned Chris Mazza, who was literally pitching in the Pacific Association as recently as last season. Yep. You can, you know, we I, I think I'm think I'm speaking to the podcast and saying we like Chris Mazza a lot. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible story that he was able to go, you know, basically up like seven rungs of independent league baseball and made it to the big leagues in less than a year. That's, you know, right remarkable but again if you're in a playoff race and you need a 40-man spot you could probably keep him in your organization and not lose anything and upgrade that spot yep and then back to aaron altair altair
3: isn't i mean one more i want to add to this franklin killing me still isn't on the 60 day deal
2: so i think that one has a reason
3: it's first service time yeah i don't
2: think it's a particularly good reason yeah that would start his service clock or his eyes but also yeah who cares like he's
3: 25
2: (laughs) he's 25
3: 24 (laughs) excuse me he's
2: so the the season in question would be his either
3: age or 30 or 31 right and he's probably a believer yeah I mean you're right, like let's DFA so, all these guys like, first.
2: Yeah, so my, my point being that there there are like better options before you think
3: about doing that, mm-hmm. I guess. Absolutely. No, that's fair.
2: Um but also, yeah, that's also small potatoes. <laughs> like so if you can add I don't know, say you want to add three pitchers down the stretch to see if you can catch lightning in a bottle.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: You can very easily do it, I guess is the mm-hmm. point of this this portion. <laughs>
3: It feels like it feels like we've had a bit of a drought in terms of buyout pitchers. Like there was a, a kind of a spate of them, and now uh, uh, last week or so, have we gotten any? Or I don't know if anyone else who's gotten bought out recently.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I know the Nats brought in like four guys uh, shortly after the deadline, mm-hmm. but I don't know if there's been a bunch since.
3: Right. And and uh, I like may just put Doolittle on the DL. So I'm not like the Nationals are not exactly a bullpen I want to be picking over the parts from.
2: Yeah, no, like, but I mean, yeah, as evidenced by the fact that they were looking for a bunch of precisely this type of dude.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, Tony Sip, Tony like Sip. isn't Tony Sip still out there? Ooh, yeah, like yeah. Tony Sip would be a good pickup for this sort of exercise, right? And uh, looking at the 25 man roster. I'd rather wa- roster Tony Sip. Oh, uh, like... Tony
2: Sip was one of the uh, the guys the Nats picked up.
3: They released him and they brought him back. Okay, I didn't realize that. So it's
2: designated for assignment on August. Oh no, wait. Okay, he's just still in their org, I guess.
3: Did he accept an out a minor league assignment or something? Maybe. Huh. Um, right, but but someone like that, like someone who isn't great, I'd re- the Mets on their. Right now, the Mets have an eight-man bullpen, right? And that eight-man bullpen includes Paul Sewald and Walter Lockett. Ugh. Both of them are really, really bad.
2: Yeah, you like, can upgrade those guys fairly easily, I feel like. Mm-hmm. That's, like, not... Like, like Tony Sip would be a clear upgrade over both of them.
3: According and, to Roto-World, Sip was released on August 5th, so...
2: Okay, uh, yeah, so he's probably kicking around somewhere.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, like, his, he's got an e, ugly ERA, and, like, look, it, it's these are the kind of acquisitions that I think you really need to consult with your coaching staff with. Like, they did a really good job with Brock, because supposedly, like, he was tipping his pitches, and they figured out that they could fix it, and now he looks decent again. Um, and, and maybe Sip is a guy that the coaching staff just doesn't have any confidence in. But any number of these in arms floating yeah, around I think, out there... Yeah,
2: there's, like, four or five guys who... Are in the organization who i have no confidence in.
3: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly right like that i throw away and risk losing without any second thought like it can't get any worse yep if you if you're if it gets to a point where we're sweating over losing policy old the season's already fucked <laughs> so <laughs>
2: <laughs> something bizarre has happened something if is that
3: <laughs> horrifically wrong <laughs> The bullpen got like, they like collapsed. There's been a cave in. They're all trapped in there and they're not available for the game. But Paul Seawold was in the locker room and we desperately need him. That's the only possible scenario <laughs> where, where we could possibly need Paul Seawold or Walter Lockett. Um, yep. They love Lockett internally, unfortunately, which is...
2: It's another Pakoda darling. Um, but, Yep.
3: <laughs> there, i don't get it <laughs> I, I really don't get it looking at at locket
2: um but yeah so i guess now let's um take a look at some internal reinforcements i guess that um since we've established that they have 40 man spots they can use mm-hmm. um i guess we'll we'll break it down into to three categories um starting pitchers if they need a spot start going down the stretch Yep. relievers and position players. So I guess we'll start with uh, the starting pitchers. Lucas, I would really like to see Harold Gonzalez pitch for the Mets oh, this boy. year. Oh, <laughs>
3: boy. This was like a joke in, like, I don't know, our second or third episode that, hey, Harold's only, like, eighth on the depth chart. Yep,
2: and then they and, traded, like, three guys between him and the big leagues. Oh, <laughs> uh,
3: no. <laughs> Look, like, Harold Gonzalez is cool. He looks, he dresses and does his hair like mini pager or something right like whatever he's he's not good
2: is yeah no he's not good but is he any worse than walker lockett
3: no probably not be <laughs> is more he like any potato.
2: worse than Corey oswald
3: he might be worse than Corey oswald
2: maybe <laughs> that's entirely possible i would love to find out
3: i you know what like as a spot start fine um I'd almost rather they bull, like they t- do a bullpen day or just like give these, one of these guys a three inning start. I, I feel like
2: that. a Harold Gonzalez start would very quickly turn into a bullpen day.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just do I think if you're thing.
2: yeah, I think if you're having Harold start in a playoff race, you're not giving him much rope.
3: Oh lord, yeah, I certainly hope not. Um, right. That's said, Like Stephen Mathis is made out of glass, so you never know what's gonna happen.
2: Yeah, and like. Weird things happen on the schedule. Um, you know, somebody could wake up feeling shitty one day.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: There, there could be valid reasons to need a guy
3: to give you, you know, four innings. Cinder guard could get hand, foot, and mouth disease again, or whatever it was.
2: He's got to stop drinking out of that well.
3: Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> you know, like fine. If you want, if it has to be Harold Gonzalez, I'm fine with that. It will probably be Walker Lockett.
2: Yeah, and I think it's fine within the fudge factor. I just think um,
3: Harold will be more fun.
2: I like Harold. I've always liked Harold.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think everyone likes Harold. Do they? He's mm, is he on the forty right now? No, so they'd have to add him. They'd have to add him, which probably is probably have... why we don't see him this year. So. Right. Well, I mean, they probably have to add him after the season anyway. Um, I think I'm not 100 percent sure probably. on that, but it's coming up to that point. So, yeah, I'd, I'd have no problem with with getting Harold up here. Uh it'd be fun.
2: Yep. i guess do you want to move on to relievers? Yeah,
3: yeah, let's do the relievers cuz I think this is the more relevant section. Um uh,
2: so I listed Riley Gilliam first. I'm not sure why. Um mm-hmm.
3: That's an interesting choice. I was going to ask you why you did that.
2: Um I don't you know, I've always liked the curveball a little bit, but I don't like the pitcher.
3: <laughs> all yeah. that much. Right, right.
2: Um, Again, I I just think he's arguably of the same quality as all of the shuttle guys.
3: Oh, Lord. (laughs) He's been horrific at AAA.
2: Yeah, but aren't all of them?
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's true, honestly. And the AAA ball, you know, we were so excited to get out of Vegas because we could actually evaluate our pitchers, and and then the ball happened, and now we still can't evaluate our pitchers. Yeah, Um,
2: but at least you know the ball was juiced in Vegas this year too.
3: (laughs) Oh my God, that would be it. Must it's a nightmare. Um, Like Riley Gilliam is probably better than Paul Seewald. I could buy that,
2: but the fact that we have to qualify it by saying probably,
3: right, right. (laughs) I mean, this is something that I always wish the Mets did more of. Though is churn and check out these guys. Like you should be willing to look. Yeah. Just. Um, keep running out the same guys over and over again, who you know already. Yep. Um, um, also, you also have, uh, let's see, Donnie Hart listed. So they just claimed him and sent him back to the minors. Um, he feels, I know
2: literally nothing about Donnie w- yeah, <laughs> I mean, Hart.
3: He's like a random lefty. Like, sure, if they need a lefty, whatever, but they have Wilson and uh, he has. They, he's a random lefty and he'd be the second lefty I choose because I'd rather look at Daniel Zamora.
2: Yeah, I've always liked Zamora. Um, Ultimately, with Zamora, I don't think the slider is good enough where he can get away with just throwing it, and I don't think the fastball is going to keep people off the slider enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that slider is hell on lefties. Yeah, I think... It's such a small role, I feel like you can get away with it, you know?
3: Mm -hmm. Um, He might be someone I... Come postseason time, he might be someone I definitely want on the roster then, because... You can shuttle. Uh, I guess it'd be Matts to the bullpen, and then replace. Then you really have no need of Alt, Walker, Lockett, and then you can put Zamora on there as just an extra. We need a lefty out right now, guy, um, and I kind of trust him to do that.
2: Yeah, he's had stretches where he's been pretty good, and mm. it's not like the sample size is going to be ever very big,
3: <laughs> right? Right, right, of course. So the
2: fact that he's been able to do have it like a good week in the big leagues before mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: not a bad sign.
3: I mean he struck out Bryce Harper once, so that's that's something.
2: <laughs> I did. I saw that with my own two eyes. <laughs> yeah, that
3: was uh that was that was fun. Um and then you put Matt Blackham here, and I I want to hear your thoughts on him. Cause... I literally
2: I was just flipping through the roster and <laughs> I I, saw his name. Know he's been on our lists at times. mm -hmm. I have very few thoughts on Matt Blackham.
3: The dude can strike people out for sure. Um, Just a little wild, which always makes me—it makes everyone anxious. Um, I'd give him a shot too. Like none of these options are great, unfortunately. Yeah,
2: I. When it comes to guys like. um, you know, your churn guys, it's, I'd almost always rather see the new guy than the guy I've seen 35 times.
3: This is, this is, you know, and I, I I know like, uh, I know our Slack has, uh, had some arguments with Dan Simborski on on Twitter, but one of the points, (laughs) let's not get into that. One of the points he always makes that I, I really appreciate is that teams don't churn enough, right? Like he gets on the the Royals, for instance, or calling up these retread infielders for no reason. Like, it makes no sense. Teams should be willing to experiment more. They should be willing to play guys like play guys out of position when you're out of the race. Bring up a new guy when you need a, a bullpen arm. Like don't just keep bringing up the same reach heads. Try something new because you never on that one percent chance they're, they're something right. Like yep. teams need to roll that dice more often.
2: He's also uh, having a very good year now that I, I look at it, Matt Blackham.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, like he... between
2: double A AA and triple A, he's got an ERA just under two point five, mm-hmm. uh fifty innings pitched, mm-hmm. and sixty seven K's against twenty six walks. That's all good.
3: Yeah, I mean the triple <laughs> the a- walks are a
2: little high, but you know
3: yeah. the triple A are really, really bad, but it's eleven innings.
2: Yeah, no and
3: the ball. So i it, I would I had him as like a sleeper coming into this season. It's also always fun to get guys who are like 5'10 coming up because it, it, it reinforces the fact that baseball is every man's sport. And yeah, it's, uh,
2: weird things can still happen.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd be I, I have
2: it on good authority that um, height does not measure heart. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> does it. measure fastball velocity, though
2: uh ask Marcus. ask marcus stroman
3: (laughs) okay yeah i'll I'll make sure to do that next time i run into him at the deli
2: yeah
3: um so now we're at the position players which is where i think the the... that's
2: the the more interesting conversation and the more relevant conversation
3: yeah so sir for just to like set the table here the mets right now are missing cano who they probably won't get back this year nimmo who probably isn't anything this season Laurie, who probably isn't anything this season, and McNeil, who should <sighs> McNeil should be back soon, but I'm like seventy percent sure the Mets are going to rush him back too quick. He's going to get hurt again and then miss the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, uh, that's definitely in play. <laughs> yeah, so so like especially with um with Davis getting hurt uh, or re-injuring the calf.
3: I swear to God, if they, if he's I, I'm. Like, I'm I could very easily see this happening <laughs> just the just the illogic of it all right because if you want to pinch hit with with Davis and just tell him walk to first base fine like I don't have a problem with that yeah but that you're going to make him he run has the,
2: a leg injury <laughs> right you're gonna make
3: him run the bases, which therefore implies that you want him to play the outfield the next inning <laughs>
2: I what? just think it's it's not a good idea to have what? a guy whose leg is hurt run. <laughs> what are you doing? Just put Rosario
3: out there. He's fine. Yeah. Uh. But,
2: so we've established there's a need for position players. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess we'll start again with Dilson Herrera, podcast concern. Dilson Herrera.
3: Call call Dilson up, right? Like he's hitting a triple. He's having a
2: great year in AAA. Like he's hasn't been god awful in limited big league time over three seasons in his career. He's still just twenty five. I have a much easier time looking at twenty five year old Dilson Herrera and thinking, hey, he might figure it out for a little bit, Mm -hmm. than twenty nine year old Ruben Tejada. Anyway, you know.
3: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'd roster both. Um, I
2: would roster both. I would roster probably since we've established they have at least five roster spots that they can very easily upgrade.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I would roster a few of these guys we're gonna talk
3: about. Yeah, maybe maybe at the end of this we can talk about like our optimal roster construction. Um yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think there's any reason that Herrera shouldn't be on a plane to New York City right now like to yesterday. take a roster spot. Like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're on the same page on that one. You put Rene Rivera here, which I think is really interesting. Um, do you think Rivera is better than Nito?
2: I don't know, but I think, um, he's probably going to get called up.
3: Uh, he'll definitely be like the third catcher. Because they're, they
2: they typically like to do a third catcher yeah, I mean, uh, it's fine. when rosters expand. I think it's definitely within the fudge factor. Um, Rivera versus Nito. Like, I don't think Nito is that good at defender. Uh, where you really want his bat in the lineup often
3: i wonder um, if like i know renee has had a, a reputation as a as an elite defender for a while i wonder if it's slipped at all i with think age. i think
2: he's probably not i think nito's probably the better defender by a not insignificant margin at this mm-hmm. point in their respective careers mm-hmm. but if, if Rivera isn't really like a complete black hole at the plate it's more right. of like a traditional backup catcher where he might run into a dong every every now and then.
3: Uh huh.
2: Uh-huh. Um, I think just having the three of them, like, if you're cutting into <laughs> Nito's at bats <laughs> with like anyone, <laughs> I think that's.
3: I will. I will say. Semi valuable. Baseball Perspectives has Nito as one of the more valuable framers in baseball. Which is um, a little warp, though. Hmm his, warp, his total, total not not good it's not good ken <laughs> yeah. it's 0. 0.3 he's a replacement yeah. level catcher his drc is 61
2: yeah i mean I, I basically when you have one replacement level dude on your bench i think and and there's nothing really to lose from adding another one i think having two and hoping one goes on a run where they're a little yeah, sure. above is probably a yeah. good idea
3: you know? Yeah, and like Rene, Rene Rivera was a, is a fine backup catcher. I'm shocked he doesn't have a major league job, honestly, given yep. the state of catcher in the uh, current. MLB He's also landscape.
2: been like roughly a league average hitter, like as recently as last season.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. So, who knows? I'd be fine giving him a shot. Absolutely. Um Alcantara is an interesting one. Like we can lump these three outfielders together: Gregor Blanco, Rajay Davis. And yeah, they they all more
2: or less do the same thing. Um, They're
3: all kind of bad with the bat. They all can run. They all can play the outfield. Um, I don't know that any of them are meaningfully different than Aaron Altair, but I'm willing to try.
2: Yeah, back to the same thing we said about Rivera and Nito. If you have one bad option, uh, sometimes a good idea is to bring in a couple of other (laughs) questionable options and hope one of them emerges, you know.
3: Yeah, bring bring in Rajay Davis as the Aroldis Chapman specialist. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think they'd bring more speed off the bench, which would be a nice element. Yeah, uh,
2: we haven't really had that in a while. Um, yeah,
3: it'd be good. Yep. Uh, really, I just am tired of watching Aaron Altair.
2: Yeah, me too. There's literally nothing he does on the— on, also, on Since What
3: is he like a, an above-average center fielder? Is he actually a good center fielder? I remember him being a corner outfielder for the Phillies who they've pushed into center field.
2: Yeah, I would say at best, he's duplicative with Juan Lagares and at worst, he's, has serves no purpose on a roster that already has Juan Lagares. Like, <laughs> he's
3: like a scratch defender in center field. So why yeah, the hell are we talking about him like he's, like he's an above-average outfielder?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It never made hell. sense to me.
3: So I think all these guys could come up, Anytime soon. I think optimally, um, like let's say, and I'm speaking for like the short term here. So let's say Davis doesn't need to go on the DL and McNeil's back in a couple days. I would probably um, release Altair for McNeil and I'd swap uh, Herrera and Guillaume. Because I I really like Louis Guillaume. I think he's a cool dude. I love defense, but I want more punch on the bench. Yep. Um, and I think Herrera gives you that, so then you'd have a bench of Nito Ter- uh, Tejada, Herrera, and um, uh, I can read Ligaris, which isn't awesome, but decent. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have any guys you'd rather see up.
0: Um,
2: I mean, besides Delson, really... Um... Yeah, he's the only one I really feel strongly about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rene Rivera, I think, is just an inevitability.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Given what they typically do in September.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say let's say hypothetically that Davis does need to go on the DL, uh, or that McNeil needs a longer DL stint, and we still want to get rid of Altair. Which outfielder are you taking first?
2: I like, I, I think Alcantara, to be honest.
3: Yeah, I'm, I kind um, of agree.
2: I think there is a specific enough skill set that you can leverage it off the bench pretty well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, in that you find you have a guy who, you know, J.D. Davis gets a base knock with one leg Yep. and you don't want him to run. Right. OK, you have a guy to run for him now.
3: Right. So
2: he'd probably um, be my choice after after Dilson.
3: Yeah. And then just from the statistical standpoint, Davis, Rajay Davis, I believe, was hurt recently in AAA and hasn't been good. Gregor Blanco has been even worse I think um yeah uh, yeah they both been like 10 percent below average hitters in triple a like they both might be washed
2: and like this is a spot it doesn't really like give me the fastest dude I guess
3: yeah um, absolutely
2: because it's not like you want this guy hitting often anyway you know
3: I'm pretty sure I I don't want like I wouldn't want Gregor Blanco I would like maybe flip a coin between Davis and Alcantara. Davis might be faster than Alcantara still. Okay, like yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Like he's one of those dudes who's just going to be ru- able to run until he's like fifty-five somehow.
2: Yeah, still looks the same as he did like seven years ago.
3: Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think I'd probably go with uh, Alcantara though. She's a long way from hey, we're going to trade Syndergaard for Arismendi Alcantara. <laughs> those are so, Those are some times. <laughs>
2: Uh, simpler days.
3: Simpler days before uh, before all the Cubs' prospects didn't pan out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, it's Herrera as a priority. Get Alterra off the team because he sucks. Get Guillaume off the team because he's redundant, even though we like him. And and shuffle the guys around a little bit. Yep. Sorry, Louis Guillaume. You can be the backup infielder next year.
2: Yeah, yeah. We this will not have been the last we see of Louis Giurme.
3: <laughs> right, like, and, and if next year, if like in a in a hypothetical world where where Lowry is healthy and you're already using J D Davis as like your super sub slash ninth bat that's getting four starts a year, having Louis Guillaume on your bench isn't a problem because you're always going to have one good bat on your bench.
2: Yep, like it's just he, but, he can't be the only the best bat on your. You bench.
3: cannot have Nito Lagaris and Guillaume on the bat on the bench right now. Right. It's just too much. And then throw a nice sprinkling of Aaron Altair on top of that.
2: Yeah, real bad. Oh, God. That doesn't even get a not great Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also thought it would be worth, you know, a mildly interesting discussion to talk about some dudes in AA who, if they want pen help, Mm -hmm. could possibly provide it. Um, your feelings on Stephen Blinds are well known
3: (laughs) he's he's been bad this year he might just be
2: bad the magic magic may have run out Um, I really hope
3: not he's been good good at double A maybe he's just the kind of guy who can't survive with the triple A ball
2: here's here's hoping that this is just a blip he comes back next year the balls are maybe less juiced
3: All right, let me see how he's been... You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like try to give myself some false hope here. He went back to the minors on the 19th, 6-19-2019. So since he went back to AA from AAA, he has a one seven five ERA and 21 strikeouts and 25 and two-thirds innings. It's fine. It's not, not great. Damn it, Steven. I had so much hope.
2: You were the chosen one.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all knew this was going to happen. But. Yeah,
2: yeah. But...
3: Um, Tony DeBrell has been bad.
2: Yeah, The basically the idea there would be... Uh, stop pretending he's a starter.
3: <laughs> fair, fair. Um, um,
2: I, I like Tony DeBrell a lot. Steve likes him more than either of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I think he's a reliever long-term. And... I think if he's sitting 91 to 94 as a starter or 89 to 94 as a starter, maybe he jumps more into that 95 to 98 range. Not No, not 95
3: to 98.
2: <laughs> 95 to 96 range as a reliever, you know, there might be something there.
3: Yep, I could buy that. So
2: um, I just wanted to mention it. Uh, before him, I made the same argument with about Justin Dunn in my AAOP.
3: <laughs> yep. I feel like the Mets oftentimes um, wait too long to make guys relievers.
2: Yeah, we're basically, I, I would treat it similarly to um, David Peterson would also fit in this, which, similarly to how the, the Cardinals do that every year with the mm-hmm. top pitching prospects. Yeah, like, exactly. Them up, get their feet wet in the bullpen, and then you can either send them back to AAA to stretch back out into a starter Please, next do, year.
3: You're giving me PTSD to that Adam Wainwright curveball. Don't do I'm this sorry. to me. Don't do this to me. <laughs> that's like my second big baseball memory oh no not great bob not great um i don't think any of those guys will see the majors no
2: probably not um and then kevin smith would just be like daniel zamora to uh electric boogaloo
3: i think he has a better chance to be a starter um yeah but yeah if we're if we're reaching down to double a for kevin smith something has again gone terribly wrong
2: yeah i just thought it might be you know like
3: yeah uh, no absolutely interesting to talk about
2: and i'd like, rather, um, see, be I'd be rather see again i'd rather see new guys than the same guys who you know keep yep, coming yep. up and being it's the bad. same
3: guys yep yep <laughs> so. that's that's absolutely fair this was there more than i thought they'd have i thought this was yeah. going to be a lot more rough and they have some pieces that they could fill out the team with
2: yeah i mean there's like um there, there are some. There, there is some legitimate help. I don't know if it's particularly good help, but you could squint and see roster upgrades at like two or three different spots.
3: Yeah, probably. absolutely, one hundred percent.
2: And uh, maybe the meth should squint. <laughs>
3: may, may just call up Dillson, please, please do it, do it. All right. Yep. So we should probably take our second break now.
2: Yep. Take our second break. And uh, when we come back, we will continue with, uh, oh, yeah, that guy. So back after this.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Welcome back to From Complex to Queens. Uh, I'm Ken Lavin. I'm still here with Lucas Vlahos. And uh, we're going to move on to, oh, yeah, that guy where we look at a prospect from yesteryear. Uh, and, yeah. So, Lucas, do you want to take it away? Ken,
3: I didn't close my tab this week. Big news. Very pro- but I did it. I did it. <laughs> um. So my oh, yeah, that guy this week is someone I had never heard of. So it really wasn't an oh, yeah, that guy. It was who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> um, so it's a, uh, a pitcher, right-hand pitcher Scott Moviel. Moviel, I don't know. Um, so he was drafted by the Mets in the second round of the two, uh, 2007 uh, draft from uh, St. Edwards High School in Lakewood, Ohio. Uh a big, and I mean big, high school pitcher, like 6'9". Uh, Frank Grass has him listed at 240. I assume he was a lot lankier when they drafted him and just kind of filled out over time. Um, so probably just a big upside play on, on, on raw talent and, and uh, 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 big stuff that they expected to come. Um, He spent 2007 to 2011 in the Mets system and he never made it out of advanced day. Unfortunately, he was good uh, in, in a couple brief stretches. So in 2007, he got into uh, rookie ball games and had a 3.38 ERA, 8.3 K9, 2.5 BB nine. So that's like a good, a good major league debut, but he was never really able to recapture that, that level of strikeout stuff. Surprisingly, like given that profile, big, tall, high school right-hander, you would expect lots of strikeouts and lots of walks. He really wasn't that. He never struggled with command uh, a ton until uh, 2010. Uh, he walked four and a half per nine that, that year and also never really struck out a lot of guys. So it was a different era, of course, where, where strikeouts weren't as prevalent, but uh, interesting to see him buck that trend. Um, He did have a couple injuries along the way. He had 2009 meniscus surgery, which was, uh, uh, according to things I've read, affected him throughout 2010 as well. Um, And then in 2012, he was suspended 50 games for a positive drug test, never got on the field, and the Mets eventually released him. Uh, He pitched in the Frontier League in 2012, uh, dropped off the map for a couple years, and then popped back up in the Can-Am Association for Quebec in 2015. Uh, That as a 27-year-old, and then hasn't pitched since. So, another uh, high school pitching flame out, it seems. Yep. I had never heard of
2: profile, this. Guy. Yeah, neither have I. Um, I hope it's pronounced Moviel. Moviel? Yeah, with a, a... A, uh, three syllables. Moviel. Moviel.
3: Moviel. <laughs> okay, I see, I see. I hope. Yeah.
2: I don't think it is.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I can. You know, figuring out how to pronounce some IE syllable is always impossible.
2: Yeah one of the, the trickier
3: <laughs> so steve also did one this week and uh, i guess we should throw it to him he's gonna be uh calling in from his remote underground bunker somewhere in tennessee
2: yeah so uh i guess
1: take it away steve hey everybody this is steve saipa and last week i was down in tennessee but now i'm a bit further north right now i'm sitting on a rocking chair looking out over at the uh the confluence of the Potomac and Shenandoah Rivers over in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. And it's a very peaceful, scenic place, it's very good for uh, contemplation, which is the perfect setting for Oh Yeah That Guy. So this week, Oh Yeah That Guy is going to be Corey Vaughn, who from August 11th to August 17th, 2012, hit 300, 333, 850 with two doubles, three homers, and three stolen bases for the St. Lucie Mets. And he did all that with a 231 BAPIP. So that's pretty good when you're able to hit 300 with that small Bapip. So Vaughn, for anyone that doesn't know, is the son of Greg Vaughn and a cousin once removed of Mo Vaughn. So Greg was a full-time All-Star and Mo a three-time All-Star and MVP. So obviously there were some pretty big expectations for Corey. Uh, he went to school at Jesuit High in Carmichael, California, and he excelled at all the sports that he played. He was the MVP of his basketball team. He put up really good numbers in football, and obviously he was really good at baseball. In his senior year, he hit 330 with six homers and 19 stolen bases. And the Phillies liked what they saw, and they selected him in the 43rd round of the 2007 draft, which would make him the 1288th player selected overall. But clearly he's a man of taste and culture, and he didn't want to be a Philly, so he honored his commitment to San Diego State University. And he wasn't really that great in his freshman year with the Aztecs, but he had a pretty good sophomore year. He hit 328, 410, 549 with 10 homers and 15 stolen bases. And was also pretty good in his junior year. He hit 378, 456, 606 with 9 homers and 15 stolen bases. So that June in the MLB draft, the Mets picked him with their fourth round pick, and they eventually signed him for $240,000. And at the time, skats and evaluators and baseball people in general thought that that could be a pretty big steal since Vaughn really did have the potential to put up big time numbers and really rocket through the system. So he started his professional career that summer, 2010, and he definitely put up big time numbers. He played 72 games at Brooklyn and he hit 307, 369, 557 with 14 home runs. Now, home runs at MCU Park are a bit easier for right-handers than they are for left-handers, since they don't have to fight the Atlantic win coming in from right field. But 14 homers is still a pretty impressive number. Um, Frank Corr, he had the prior record of 13 homers, which was set in the Cyclones inaugural 2001 season. And that stood for about 10 years until Vaughn broke it. And now Vaughn's has stood for about 10 years, so maybe someone's going to break his record soon. Um, Travis Tyrone is is the one that has come the closest. Uh, he had nine homers in 2011. But nobody has really come particularly close since then. Uh, Ross Adolph last year, he had seven. Joe Genord currently has eight. He might add a few more. So, uh, you know, it looks like uh, Vaughn's record is going to be sticking at least for another year. So he got promoted to Savannah to start the 2011 season. And he hit well there. But things kind of fell apart when he got promoted to St. Lucie mid-year. In 68 games with Savannah, he hit 286, 405, 408. Not bad. In 63 games with St. Lucie, he hit 219, 308, 395. Not good. He repeated St. Lucie in 2012 and it looked like all was well again. And he corrected himself when he hit 243, 351, 463 with 23 homers and 21 stolen bases. You could live at the low average when he's drawing walks and getting on base, slugging and stealing, but unfortunately for Vaughan, that year would pretty much be his high watermark. He started the 2013 season with Binghamton, but he had an up-and-down year because of some injuries. So he started, uh, he repeated in Binghamton in 2014, and he didn't hit particularly well there again, but he got a promotion to uh, Las Vegas anyway because they needed an outfielder. And a lot of times, going up to the PCL, You'll get an offensive stat boost because of the environment, but that didn't really happen with Vaughn. In the 65 games he played there, he hit 228, 326, 386 with seven homers and seven stolen bases. He started the 2015 season there, and he was really hit with the injury bug bad. He went on the DL five different times, and when he was able to be on the field and play, he wasn't particularly good. And then that October, the Mets gave him his release. So he signed with the Diamondbacks the next March, March 2016, and they were slated to send him to their A team, the Reno Aces, but they ended up releasing him before the season even started. So he signed with the Jer- New Jersey Jackals of the Can-Am League, and he played with them that year. And then he signed with the South Maryland Blue Crabs of the Atlantic League in 2017, and he's been playing with them ever since. And in the three years that he's been there, he's a three-time All-Star, and he has a cumulative 256, 357, 444 batting line. So that's pretty good. And then in his spare time, when he's not playing baseball, he's actually been producing music with his friend. And this stuff can be found on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all that, under the name F Type. And I'm not that much of a hip hop connoisseur, but my brother is. And he has said that they weren't too good. Um, he said that to him, it sounded like they listen to a lot of rap and they kind of have an idea of what to do, but they're. Not artists, but whatever, you know. Good for them for trying. Give them a listen. You decide. But kind of most important, I guess, when you're talking about Corey Vaughn is the fact that he has diabetes. He was diagnosed with with it when he was 11, and he has an insulin pump that connects to a catheter in his left glute, which is why uh, if you ever like go back and look at the video, when he slides, he always slides on his right side and not his left because he has the, cath- the he has the uh, pump in his left side. And obviously, living with diabetes is tough, and the life of a minor leaguer does not help at all. You know, normally you eat cruddy fast food and stuff like that, but with diabetes, you have to be aware of all the carbs and the sugars and whatever else that you're eating. And then normally during games, you play whatever, but with diabetes, you have to be aware of your blood sugar level and you have to act accordingly in the dugout or the clubhouse or whatever you are, depending on how you're feeling. So, but you know, he said to him that it's kind of normal since he's been doing it all of his life. And for anyone that has diabetes, you know, I I guess that is true. But as an outsider looking in, you know, that's just another hurdle in the already unnecessarily difficult uh, trials and tribulations. Uh, Yeah, that was uh, Steve Saipa
2: talking about a prospect from yesteryear.
1: Come
3: back, Steve.
2: Yeah, come back, Steve.
3: (laughs) We need you. It's been like real. I think both of us have also had a couple hectic weeks. It's been yeah, very. Yeah. This, this time off has been very poorly timed, Steve. It's unacceptable.
2: He's our boss. He is our boss. He's our fearless leader. He braved 95 South to go down to South Carolina for us.
3: He braved the summer, mid Eastern, whatever you would call that part of the country weather. I'm sure it's been a humid hell
2: uh described a terrifying thunderstorm
3: (laughs) oh man i bet in a place
2: where thunderstorms are apparently much more dangerous than where both of us are currently situated
3: Uh, you should have seen uh... When I went out to California for undergrad, none of them knew what a thunderstorm was, and we had like the tiniest little thunderclap once and everyone lost their shit. I'm like, Really?
2: That's like <laughs> yeah. not a thing in California? Not
3: in Northern California, no. That's it was like
2: wild <laughs> to me. It was like what is
3: what, guys, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is like nothing. This so, happens
2: every day in Florida. <laughs> yeah,
3: this happens every day in the in New Jersey during the summer. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, uh, thunderstorms are more extreme. Steve survived them. He'll be back next week.
2: Yep. Hopefully, we'll have some uh, good Appy League content to mm-hmm. discuss.
3: Excellent content.
2: Huh? So yeah, I guess that'll do us for do it for us here at from Complex to Queens. Um, once again, I'm, I'm Ken Lavin. You can find me on Twitter at kenlavin91. I've been joined by Lucas Vlahos this week. Who, uh, Lucas? Where can people find you?
3: lvlahos 343
2: and uh, next week, we will be rejoined by our fearless leader, Steve Sippa. Sippa?
3: Whatever.
2: <laughs> Did I do it again? Probably. Sippa. <laughs> I got it this time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Who is at Steve Sippa on Twitter? <laughs> um, you can email the show at From Complex to Queens at gmail.com. And uh, please remember to rate and review the podcast in the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you get your podcasts from really helps us out and uh we really would appreciate it and uh yeah love the mets love the mets
3: call up Dilson mets
2: at mets call up dillweed hernia (laughs) (laughs) that's the uh episode name by the way excellent dillweed hernia (laughs) all right that'll do it for us (laughs) love the mets love the mets (laughs)